Happy Holidays! Welcome to a Christmas edition of Back to the Bins. I'm Scott Gardner, and joining me is my Tales of the Justice Society of America podcast co-host, Mr. Michael Bailey. Hey, Michael, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Ho, ho, ho! (laughs) I feel dirty inside. (laughs) No, I'm really excited to be here for the Christmas episode. I'm excited to have you here. So we, uh... We're each bringing a Christmassy comic to talk about, and then uh, I'll have an- another one that we can kind of co-discuss at the end of the episode. One that I know that we've both read and have slightly different opinions of, so we'll okay. get to that one at the very end. But uh, go ahead and run with what you got. Well, I don't have a complete comic, because the, the story I chose to talk about was originally in the Superstar Holiday Special. Uh, from spring of 1980, DC Special Series number 21. This was that, uh, I think it's the, co- if I'm remembering the comic correctly, it's the one that has all the superheroes on the cover with Santa Claus. Uh, with the star, the big, like the, the Bethlehem star behind them. It has Jonah Hex on it, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a Garcia Lopez cover, if I remember correctly. I believe you're right. I just, uh... I just didn't have enough time before we recorded to, to double-check that tonight. So. I'm, I'm looking it up as we speak, so you, you continue on, sir, and I'll, I'll give you the, the, the lowdown on the cover when I, when I come to it. Well, this is a Batman story called Wanted, Santa Claus, Dead or Alive. It's written by Denny O'Neill, and this is the first time Frank Miller ever drew Batman. Uh, it was actually, uh, the first time I read the story was in that very nice leather-bound book that came out around the time of the the Burton Batman film, and it had year one, this story, and then Dark Knight Returns, mm-hmm. And uh, but somewhere around there I read that this was his first foray into Batman, and it's, it's the art is stunning. Um, we open on Christmas Eve in Gotham. First, a layer of pale snow had touched the city, and now sleet, the color of steel, slants across the streets from the north. So, right away, Christmas noir from Denny O'Neill. But <laughs> So you have Batman swinging across a nativity scene, commenting that even though it's Christmas, uh, crime still goes on because somebody has stolen the star off the nativity scene. So he goes to this this restaurant it really doesn't uh it looks like the name of the place is sleazy lose i'm not kidding it's really messed up and uh he batman visits a crime lord named maddie lesko and lesko or lasko excuse me is kind of upset because i didn't invite you to my party and batman's like i won't stay long he just wants to know about the boat he's arranged to be waiting in Gotham Harbor tonight. And Lasko's like, I ain't telling you anything. And a fight scene breaks out where Batman takes out two of his guys, one who's wielding this gigantic, like, impossibly proportioned chain. So then Lasko says, well, you know, thinks he's had about enough of this, and he rolls up his sleeve, punches Batman in the stomach, and nothing happens. Batman just kind of looks at him like, what are you doing? And <laughs> he finally explains to Batman that the boat that is uh, waiting there is a favor to his old cellmate, Boomer Cats. So then we cut to a homeless shelter in Crime Alley where a elderly African-American gentleman is looking for Boomer Cats. And one of the guys tells him that Boomer has a job at Santa Claus at Lee's department store. And on the way out, the the man gives the woman in charge an envelope, and it turns out it has $1,000 in it. And, of course, the elderly black gentleman was Batman in disguise. We cut to Lee's department store where Boomer, as Santa Claus, is just wrapping up for the evening. And uh, it looks like the manager of the store is telling him that, you know, he's, he's doing a great job. He's the best Santa they've ever had. And this causes Boomer to kind of choke up a little bit. You know, he's he's you know he's really touched that somebody has taken a shine to his work. 
So we cut later to a very short, bald man with a cigarette holder asking him if he disabled the store's alarm system. And uh, Boomer calls the guy Fats. And he says, I just couldn't do it. So basically, they pull a gun on him. They march him back over to the department store. Uh, the manager recognizes him and all the gangsters push their way in and are going to rob the place and Boomer tries to fight them off but he gets shot um, right through the shoulder as a matter of fact and the gunshots attract Batman who breaks in and we have some beautiful artwork of Batman grabbing like an artificial Christmas tree and throwing it at a guy and it's just Frank Miller has such a dynamic sense of action I'm actually more of a fan of Miller in the early part of his career, uh, rather than the rather than what we get now. I, I I I just think it looks a lot better for some reason. So Batman asks the manager where Boomer Cats is, and the manager explains that they ran out the back. Uh, the guy muttered something about a double cross, and they're trying to murder him. So the the Fats guy is holding Boomer hostage and telling him to be quiet as uh, they're trying to sneak away. So the manager and, and, and the Batman are like, no sign of them. You know, we can't find them anywhere. Two of the beat cops, uh, you know, ask if everything's under control. And Batman's like, yes, it is, officer. So right away, you know this is a story from the 70s. Because <laughs> because two beat cops are like, everything under control? Batman says, okay. And they're like, hey, that's good enough for us. Whereas now, there would probably be a fight scene between the two of them. <laughs> it's just not any fun anymore. So anyways... Batman is suddenly attracted by a light that is coming through where the missing star on the nativity was. And it's pointing exactly where Fats and Boomer are. And and Batman jumps in, punches the guy out, asks if Boomer is okay. And Boomer says, yeah, fine, only that star, it's gone again. And Batman goes, gone home, as he looks off at the opposite side, and there's the star. And we end with a passage from the Bible, from Luke 178. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So, um, not the most overly complicated of stories, not the most in-depth of stories, but there's a lot here to like. I, I, Mm -hmm. I, I really dig that Boomer... In like eight pages, we get like Boomer's story and realize that he's he's basically turned over a new leaf because he's been playing Santa Claus, and I really like that because I'm a sucker for that type of story. Me too. Yeah, uh, I'm a sucker for 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 holiday stories in general, except if they're extremely stupid. Uh, my only real note of like what the heck is going on, and it may be the coloring, but it looks like. Batman dressed his up, dress, dressed himself up as an elderly black man, and I don't quite know how that works. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird looking. <laughs> but my absolute favorite three panels are when Lasco is trying to punch him out, and Lasco's got like arms like Popeye, <laughs> and he, you know he just punches him in the stomach, and then is just holding his hand, and I'm just like, yep. This is making me want to read more 70s and 80s era Batman. It really is. Because I know that Batman is kind of cool like this through most of those stories. And he's, it's it's fun. It's just a fun little Christmas story. Would, would I be totally off base to, to, to compare this to uh, the Marshall Rogers era? Because I'm getting a serious Marshall Rogers vibe. Oh, from some of the artwork here. You wouldn't be off base at all, especially when he shows up at that at that uh, sleazy lose and the way the cape is hanging. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's fighting, that is serious Marshall Rogers. That is all freaking Marshall Rogers right there. Yeah, the part where he's running at the glass and then smashes through the glass. That that looks like it could be straight out of Marshall's uh, Detective Comics run from back in the day. I really like this. I'm not the biggest Frank Miller fan in the world, but I, I'm with you. I think his earlier stuff was a lot better. And uh, I'm not at all familiar with this inker, the, the Steve Mitchell, and I wonder how much he brought to the table here because I really like the the shading and the use of mm-hmm. that, uh, what is that called, Zipatone or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I really like this. 
No, and, and you mentioned Marshall Rogers, that Engelhart Marshall Rogers run on Detective for being like nine or ten issues long is so influential to like oh, yes. everybody involved in Batman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a trade paperback of it because it was rather inexpensive a couple years ago, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is some great stuff. Now, I'm looking at the issue right now, um, this uh, DC Special Series number 21, because I was trying to refresh myself with what else was in here. I actually bought this for a different reason. I bought it for the uh, for the Jonah Hex story that's in here because I'm a Jonah Hex completist. And there's a really nice little Jonah Hex story in here written by Michael Fleischer with uh, art by uh, Dick Ayers and Romeo Tangal. It's kind of a, uh, like, the yearling type of story. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a heartwarming little story of, uh, of Jonah Hex. It also has a bit of Jonah's origin in the story. It's, it's, it's a pretty good one. And then I was, you know, of course, pleasantly surprised to, to find that it had this Frank Miller Batman story in because I had actually read that somewhere else where it was reprinted. And so I was, you know, excited to find out that this was actually the first place that that story appeared. It also has stories with the, uh, the Legion of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. With, uh, Sergeant Rock, um, House of Mystery. And yeah, that was it. There was five stories: Batman, House of Mystery, Jonah Hex, Sergeant Rock, and Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. I really I remember so little about this. I, one of these days, I need to dig the whole issue out and reread it because all I can honestly remember is uh, the Superboy and the Legion story was really, really wacky. Yes, it is, and it was really a stretch tying that one into any sort of yeah of a, of a holiday story at all. Well, <laughs> where I'm reading it out of today is uh, a couple years ago, DC put out a trade paperback called DC Universe Christmas. And it's a really neat little trade. I think you would like it, because it collects holiday stories from all over the place. DC, for a couple years there, from like 97, 98, 99, would put out what they called the DCU Holiday Bash. And it would be an anthology book, different stories with different holidays even because there was a Black Lightning Kwanzaa story in one of them uh, which was rather good but uh, this one collects that wanted uh, Santa Claus dead or alive it does have that Legion story in it I read that last night uh, after I read this one and I was like wow this is Superboy calm down okay you know you don't have to bring Christmas to the 30th century and why are you chasing off for the star of Bethlehem (laughs) Uh, one of the other stories it it reprints is the Harley and the Ivy from the Batman Adventures holiday special from January 95 Uh and this is a story where Harley and Ivy drug and kidnap Bruce Wayne and go on a shopping spree with him that was adapted into one of the episodes of that, uh, animated I was, series I was about to mention that it's, it is adapted into one of the because uh, Batman had a it was a anthology episode where it had three different stories uh, you know what's, what's really funny about that is the original place that that was uh, was taken from I believe it was an annual and all of the stories in that annual or special or whatever it was all of them were made into episodes except the one that I consider to be the best story in there which was uh, it was actually a Mr. Freeze story for some reason that one didn't make the cut and I, I, I think it's the best one in that book <laughs> yeah, the only reason I remember that episode so well is back in 2003 it was December 13th and that one was coming on Cartoon Network because they had the Justice League one, Comfort and Joy, as well. Right. And the only reason I remember that so well is I taped it because yeah. I couldn't watch it that night because I was getting married the next day. <laughs> and we had to go to the rehearsal dinner. So, <laughs> so yeah. Well, you had also uh, talked about... I, I had just talked about this on, uh, on Two True Freaks. Something that has become... Um, a, a new Christmas tradition in our household in the past few years is uh, that Justice League episode, Comfort and Joy. Absolutely love that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's wonderful. I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's heartwarming. It's really a good classic 
heartwarming Christmas story, and I really, really enjoy it. And the comic that I brought tonight is in that same spirit, I believe. I, I really think that it, uh, in, in a certain funny kind of way, it's almost a continuation of that. So this one's going back. Now, I'm actually violating one of uh, the, the quote-unquote rules of the show, which is kind of a, you know, that's BS anyway. This show doesn't really have any rules. But anyway, this is not going back quite as far as we usually go on the show. This one's only going back to f- the February 2007 issue. This is Justice League uh, Unlimited, uh, number 28, covered by Ty Templeton. Ooh. It's a really nice classic style Christmas with the superheroes cover. It's uh, the Phantom Stranger, of all people, <laughs> is trimming the tree, and he's hanging up a flash ornament. And we also see ornaments for Batman... Um, Wonder Woman, Superman, and then ornaments that are, are simple ball ornaments, but have their you know their, like their logo or their face on it. It's just, it's just a really cute cover, and it says "Deck the Hall." Dot 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 of justice. So I got a really. <laughs> cover. I think it's a great cover. Great. And the uh, okay, the uh, it's written by and I, I apologize if I'm butchering this guy's name. It's Mike McCavity. It's M C. A-V-E-N-N-I-E. McCavity? I really don't know this writer's name. I've never even heard of this guy, but... Uh, he I, was I an editor this. at DC for years. Ah, okay. He, like, edited um, the Superboy and Supergirl and all that. Oh, okay. Uh, penciler on this is Sanford Green. Inker is Nathan Massengill. Don't make a joke. Don't make a joke. Don't make a joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was being quiet and good. And, it's uh, Christmas. No, I'm talking. Uh, no, that was for myself. No, oh, okay. <laughs> not be rude. Don't make a joke. Although I'm, te- I'm just saying right now, I could not change my last name fast enough if that were my last name. But uh, anyway, um, original cover price was two dollars and twenty-five cents, and the story is entitled "Seasons Beatings Justice League." Love the title. Beautiful opening splash page of the Flash being swung by his leg and smashing into a Christmas tree. And all you can see of his assailant is their hands, and it clearly looks to be Santa Claus's hands because you see, you know, the, the red sleeves and the, the the white fluffy frill at the end of it. So it looks like Santa is swinging uh, Flash into a Christmas tree. It's hilarious. You turn the page, and... The League is assembled to fight Santa Claus, although Santa Claus is actually revealed to be Clayface. And he has a a small army of armed elves with him, and he's having a fit because the the Justice League is breaking up his well-laid plans to rob a series of department stores. And... Now, granted, I'm not a manga guy at all. I really don't care for the manga style. This this book is drawn very much in the, the manga style, but I dig this art, and mostly for Batman. He looks super dynamic, some great poses. This is the very long-eared Batman from the Justice League uh, cartoon. Looks very dynamic here, and we see, uh, in addition to Flash and Batman, we also have uh, Elongated Man and the Atom. Um, ends up making a, a, a quick appearance. Batman throws a special batarang at uh, Clayface, and the Atom was hiding inside the batarang and releases some sort of compound that freezes uh, Clayface solid. So they take him out. Batman, meanwhile, is uh, kind of dressing down the team a little bit about you know how they didn't really follow his instructions and they they placed the civilians in danger the flash who had the tar beat out of him is like no really i'm fine thanks for asking and batman's basically like well you did it to yourself you should have listened to my directions and everything and uh the flash says something about you know how he's had enough of this he's got monitor duty and he's still looking for uh, a store that has a, a machine called a Playtendo 720. It's the it's new <laughs> game system. And Batman's like, you know, that's your, you know, that's your own problem. You've got to go after this one elf that got away because you didn't follow directions. He's really being kind of a jerk to the entire team. And Flash is all upset. He's like, but I've got monitor duty and I've got this other stuff going on. And Batman's not having any of it. Elongated man kind of picks on Flash a little bit, and Flash isn't, you know, he's not too happy about it. So he takes off, 
runs all over the city, is not having any luck tracking down this this missing person. And as he stops in an alleyway and is kind of grousing to himself about what a uh, Scrooge Batman's being and all this, there's a cloud of mist and the Phantom Stranger appears. And Flash at first thinks that the Phantom Stranger is there to help him find this missing criminal. But it turns out that's not really what he's there for at all. And sort of like the ghost of Christmas past, the Phantom Stranger waves his hand and there's all this mist appears. And the Phantom Stranger and Flash find themselves a few years back in time in the Kent household. And they can't be seen or heard, just you know, just like Scrooge in the classic tale. And this is Superman bringing Batman to his parents' house to enter, you know, to meet them and to spend Christmas with them. And there's a great joke about uh, Batman as they're walking in the door. Batman is saying, "I can't believe you talked me into this." And Superman says, "What talk? You lost our bet, so you're having Christmas dinner here." I really love that. So he calls to his parents, and they come, and you know, they hug and kiss on Clark and welcome him home. And then. It's just so surreal, but it's a really great scene where he just says, this is Batman. Batman, these are my parents. And Batman's got this dour look where he looks very, very uncomfortable. He's just Mr. and Mrs. Kent. And, you know, Jonathan Kent puts his arms around him and, you know, he's, uh, oh, please, you know, Jonathan and Martha, son, relax. You know, you know the, next, uh, the next closest farm's a mile away. Nobody's going to see you. Martha, get us some eggnog. So they're sitting on the couch, or Batman sits on the couch, and Jonathan sits in his easy chair, and so they're having a talk. He says, so, you're from Gotham City, and Clark, in the meantime, has gone upstairs to change clothes. He says, so, you're from Gotham City, and Batman says, yes. I've always wanted to visit there. What's it like? Crime rate's down another 12% this year, which is just a total conversation killer. <laughs> Jonathan Kent's like, um, that, uh, that's great. So, uh, he says, uh, I mean, it's great how you catch criminals like the Joker and Two-Face. Still, I'd uh, keep a, an eye on those corporate types if I were you. I'm sure Clark's told you all about Luther. And that Bruce Wayne fella has some skeletons in his closet, no doubt. Batman, <laughs> Batman wrinkles up his nose and just says, no doubt. You know, so you can, I can just hear Kevin Conroy's voice in my head. You know, just just you know, not, not really enjoying the... The, this moment at all. I just want to cut up to upstairs where, where Superman's just in his room laughing. So oh, yeah. He's listening. Well, he comes downstairs and just the look on his face says he's purposely taken his time changing to... Because <laughs> he's really enjoying this. The Flash, who can't be seen or heard, is laughing his, his butt off at this. He's really enjoying, you know, Batman being so uncomfortable and, and at, you know ill at ease with this whole thing. And so Martha and Jonathan go, uh, oh, they go to get supper ready. They leave the room to go get supper ready. And she tells the boys to decorate the tree. So <laughs> another great moment. This, this was just rife with great dialogue. So, so Clark Kent and Batman are standing at the Kent family Christmas tree. And Superman's handing him some ornaments. And he says, you heard Ma, help me with the ornaments. And Batman says, Kent. You can decorate a dozen trees before I can blink. <laughs> this is maybe, but decorating one with friends and family is more fun. So Batman starts to hang an ornament, drops it, and it smashes on the floor. And he just kind of looks at it. And Clark says, don't worry about it. I've broken plenty. Help yourself to another one. Just leave the gray ghost ornament for me. And Batman is suddenly taken aback. And he just says, gray ghost? And he says, yeah, Mom, uh, Ma found it for me uh, at a card shop some years ago. That show scared me when I was a kid, but I loved it. You ever watch it? And uh, he says, yes, a long time ago. And suddenly there's a, a, a buzzing sound from his belt. And he says, excuse me. And he's, you know, he puts his hand to his ear and he says, uh, it's Alfred. I'm needed in Gotham. And he orders the watchtower to beam him to the following coordinates. And he... Uh, Anyway, makes his apologies to the Kents and everything, and he leaves. And uh, and Flash comments to the Phantom Stranger. Again, they cannot be heard by the other people. This is like one of those, you know, the shades that have been kind of things. He says, wow, it must have been some emergency for Batman to use the League transporter. 
and the Phantom Stranger says there was no emergency. And Flash says, what, he lied? Why would he do that? And Phantom Stranger says, as you said, he was uncomfortable. And the Flash says, but why? Look around. You know, it's a, it's like a greeting card moment here. Yes, uh, or the Phantom Stranger says, yes, a moment shared by family. And there's another little misty moment, another waving of arms, and we go further back in time to a little kid sitting reading a book, and the Flash you know, wants to know where they are, and Phantom Stranger says, do you not recognize him? And Flash goes over and takes a good look at the kid and realizes that this is very young Bruce Wayne. And Alfred comes into the room and says, uh, good morning, Master Bruce, happy Christmas, and asks if he would like to go downstairs and open some presents before breakfast. And, and Bruce just says, maybe later, Alfred, I'm a little busy right now. And Alfred's just—it's—it's it's a great piece of Alfred dialogue. He just says, "You know, that's—you know—that's fine." Except, I'm e- eager to see what Father Christmas has brought me this year. Sadly, I cannot open my presents until you open yours first. <laughs> so, you know, young Bruce, this little kid Bruce—you know—he's like, ah, sigh. You know, he sighs to himself. Fine, let's get this over with. And he closes the book up. And Flash is like, "Gee, he's just bursting with holiday cheer, isn't he?" So they go downstairs. And Flash is just floored by the, the enormity of the inside of, uh, of Wayne Manor and this giant Christmas tree and all these presents. And Bruce opens all kinds of presents. And, you know, he gets a book, or excuse me, he gets a bicycle that Flash says is more than, you know, than he can afford, even, you know, at his present salary and all. He gets all these great presents and, and none of them do anything for him. You know, he, he, he says cursory thank yous to Alfred but nothing really excites him or anything and uh, and Flash comes to realize that this was the first Christmas after he had lost his parents mm. but then he opens one particular present and gets really really excited and it's a grey ghost flyer which is basically a grey ghost action figure and a little toy airplane for the figure to, to go into and he gets all excited, and he puts it together, and he's zipping around, and he's playing, and he's having a lot of fun, and pretending to play the Grey Ghost. And as he's like reciting the or you know, the uh, opening to the Grey Ghost TV show, he catches sight of that portrait that's in Wayne Manor of of Thomas and uh, and Martha. And uh, suddenly, there's a great panel of his eyes are huge. And Alfred comes up behind him and just says, Master Bruce, and, and Bruce ducks his head in a little tiny word bubble that just says, I'm sorry. And he hands the toy back to Alfred and says, uh, I'll eat later if you'll excuse me. I have a lot of work to do. And he's got, you know, he's drawn as just a typical little kid, but he's got this great Batman look on his face, this very determined look. And we get a shot of Alfred with, with, like a tear running down his face. And the Flash is really stunned by this. He's really taken aback, and it really moves him. And he, he says to the Phantom Stranger, I think I've seen enough. And the Phantom Stranger deposits him back where they started from in this alley and drops a little hint on where he might be able to find this criminal. So the Flash takes off, and it turns out that uh, the, the guy, this evil elf with a gun, is holding up a toy store. So Flash goes in, beats the crap out of the guy, you know, defends the family that runs the uh, the toy store, and the guy is, you know, all thankful, you know, how can we ever repay you kind of thing, and he just says, oh, you know, this, you know, there's a, it's it's the guy, the shopkeeper, his wife, and, and their child, and the child's smiling up at the Flash, and the Flash gets all teary-eyed, and he says, you know, that smile is more than enough thanks, you know, don't ever lose it. And he starts to leave when he catches sight of something, and he says, you know what, I've got one favor to ask. So we cut at the end to the watchtower and uh, the Flash has shown up. You know, he tells Batman, you know, I, I took care of the situation. I apprehended the last guy. And by the way, I got you this. And uh, Batman kind of turns around and he's, he's still being snippy. And he says, what are you up to? He says, hey, that hurts. You know, you, you don't know what I went through to get this. So just open it already. And Batman opens it and there's a great look on his face. Even though he's grown up and he's got the cape and cowl and everything, it's still the same look from when he was a little kid. And it's a gray ghost 
it's the same thing he had when he was a kid, the little action figure in the little toy airplane. And Batman's just stunned, and he says, how? You know? And uh, Flash makes up a story about how Superman, you know, is is a real gossip, and he overheard him say one time that uh, that they both were fans of the show and all that. He says, anyway, Merry Christmas, okay? I'll see you next time. And he starts to leave, and he's got kind of a look on his face like, you know, I wish he had said something. And Batman stops him, and he says, Flash, he says, under the Christmas tree in the rec room downstairs, fourth present on the right, there's even an extra controller. And Flash is super excited. You know, he got the Playtendo machine that he was looking for. <laughs> oh, Bat, you're the man, he says, and he runs off. And there's just a great, the last two panels of Batman just standing there holding the gray ghost figure and looking at it. And finally he smiles and he just says, Merry Christmas. And that was, and I loved, loved this issue. I really thought it was a great, great story. Totally in the tradition of like that, uh, yeah, for an enjoy episode and uh, and really really enjoyed it. I'm a like you said, I'm a sucker for these kind of stories too. I love a good holiday story, and for me, there's nothing better than a good holiday story mixed with my superheroes. You know, I, I, I'm a sucker for that stuff. Well, listening to you talk about that scene between Bruce and Alfred, um, the one thing about Batman Begins that I thought they absolutely got right were the flashbacks to Bruce as a kid and the one scene that actually made me cry in the theater yeah grown man admitting that he's crying during a Batman film uh, was when it's after his parents were killed and Alfred comes up to him in the in, in the in, in a room and he's like you know lunch is prepared he's like I'm not hungry and he turns around and Bruce turns around and starts crying and say it was my fault. And the the look on Michael Caine's face as he as he rushes over to the kid to hug him, I'm like, wow, they nailed the Alfred Bruce dynamic, like showing that. And that just kind of reminded me of that scene that you talked about, where you know he comes in and he's looking at a picture of his parents and he just walks away and it just makes Alfred sad. That, that's kind of making me sad. <laughs> it's making me sad. Okay. I don't know. No, it sounds like an There's awesome not story. enough Christmas cheer in the world to get me to say nice things night. <laughs> I'm just letting you know right now. Not even that scene? Not even that scene. Sorry. Oh, that, that that's a lot of venom to, to, to cut through. And it, 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 it was, I was like, why is he so quiet? And I understand now. No, I wasn't trying to derail you. And, and, and no, no, I'm teasing. Night thing. It's just, no, that, oh, God. I was kind of choking up when you were talking about it, when you were describing the story. (laughs) A couple things about this. Um, I didn't, the the only negative I've got about the entire issue, and it's nitpicky, but I didn't care for the way the Kents are drawn in this. It's really, it's strange. I don't know if it's just artistic license or editorial mandate or what, but uh, I don't know where in the world they're they're drawing this uh, Jonathan Kent from. He doesn't look like the Jonathan Kent that was in the regular continuity books at the time and looks absolutely not a thing like the one from the, uh, the animated universe. So he, he honestly, he looks a lot like a parody of, uh, of Mike Carlin. So I'm not sure where that's drawn from. <laughs> and then that's the, funny. uh, the Martha Kent looks like a strange amalgam of the one from the television show and the one from like burn era. You know the the sweet little old lady style Martha Kent. So I'm not sure where they were drawing <laughs> her from, but uh, the rest of it, you know, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the art. That bun yeah. in the back of her head. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> yeah, she's got something similar. Well, yeah, not she's minus the bun, but yeah, the rest of it looks pretty much like that version. Yeah. Um. Also, I don't know how much the uh, Batman animated series and Superman animated series continuity carries over to, like, this title, for example. But uh, I kind of wish that there had been some sort of, I don't know, something. I didn't I didn't necessarily miss it, but I thought it would have been a good way if they could have somehow worked it in. There's a moment in the, in the origin story, in the very first episode of... Uh, of Superman the animated series where Martha says something about you know at least you're not like that nut 
in Gotham City, which you know is a, is a reference to Batman because Batman Batman's animated series was first. So in that universe, he was the first superhero rather than Superman. And I just wish somehow that could have been tied back in, you know, to where, where maybe Martha had a little bit of uh, of a strange reaction or a little bit of hesitancy to Batman being in her own home if she honestly thought that he was some sort of psychopath, you know, running loose in Gotham or something. But I don't know. It probably would have derailed the story, but I think it would have been a nice little Easter egg for, for you know, anybody who remembers that little exchange in uh, in the beginning of Superman the animated series I think the answer to your question is whatever bits of continuity they needed to use yeah yeah so, exactly. I, I mean it's it's pretty tight especially when they got into that second season and started referencing of Justice League and started referencing like the last couple of episodes of Superman the animated series right uh, but um, w- what struck me about Justice League in general is the animated series, both you know Justice League and then Justice League Unlimited, is how it really saw the friendship of Superman and Batman kind of grow. Right. You know, to where it's like one of my favorite scenes of that entire series are Superman and Batman hanging out in the Batmobile waiting for something, and they both got coffee, and it's just like they're just sitting there shooting the shit for the cup of coffee. This is great. And I grew up in a, and I grew up with a Superman and Batman that didn't get along at all. Right. And I kind of miss that. I, I miss them. I don't want them to be like chummy, but you know. Well, it. that's why I was uh, I was taken aback by by some of the the very negative reactions that some people had to the Public Enemies movies or movie rather, and and talking about how they seemed almost. Uh, I don't know, almost a little bit too chummy or something in that one. Almost a little bit, uh... Oh, this is supposed to be a, a Christmas episode. I hate to use the term homoerotic, but I guess that's kind of what was the insinuation was, you know? And that disturbs me. I'm like, why can't these two guys just be really, really close friends without reading something dirty into it, you know? But, I don't know. That's neither here nor there, I guess. The other thing I... The last thing I really, really liked about this issue was, uh tying in the gray ghost yes that's such a tiny little bit of continuity from the show you know from the batman animated series but i really really liked that's one of my favorite if not my favorite episode of batman the animated series was the gray ghost episode and it was really nice to see them play back to that again because you know for anybody that hasn't seen that one it's a big deal in in the continuity of that show how basically the gray ghost was the inspiration to, to Bruce, you know, to Bruce's young mind of a superhero, you know, what a superhero acted like, and a lot of what Batman adopted into his identity, you know, with the, with the secret cave and the car and the cloak and all that sort of thing was taken from the Grey Ghost. When cry haunts the night, a silent crusader carries the torch of justice. Those with evil hearts, beware, for out of the darkness comes the Grey Ghost. Tonight's episode, The Mad Bomber. And in the episode itself, the Grey Ghost is this like washed-up, has-been actor who's been stereotyped and, and could never really find any other steady work. And he's voiced in that episode by Adam West, who, yes. you know, and the parallels were just mind-blowing in that episode. But he did such a great, great job. I really liked it. Yeah, Bruce Tim was the voice of the bad guy. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I love that episode too. It's not my absolute favorite of that one, but I really love what that brought to. It kind of reminded me of the Nightshade yes. from the Flash TV series, absolutely. a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, uh, I feel those two series have a lot in common in terms of, of tone and style. Yes, they do. Uh, just one's animated, one's uh, one's thing. You know, they even brought the Gray Ghost into Batman Beyond. 
mm-hmm. in the uh, epilogue episode of Justice League Unlimited, where it shows Terry McGinnis and his parents coming out of uh, the Grey Ghost movie. Yeah. And that brought back Phantasm, too, so, to tie into one of your earlier episodes. Well, I know that the Grey Ghost appeared in at least one of the, uh, the issues of... I'm not sure which title it was, but one of the books, you know, one of the comics that was coming out, you know, based on one of the animated universe properties, uh, I mean, one of the Batman ones, there's an episode I know on the cover, it has an action figure two-pack of Batman and the Grey Ghost, and so I'm assuming the Grey Ghost actually appears in I that issue. I'm, I'm hoping, anyway. Yeah, I know. it. Well, the way it was drawn on the cover, too, is it looked just like the Batman two-packs that were actually coming out in toy stores at the time so yeah it would have been cool I, to my knowledge they never did a great ghost action figure though which is kind of sad I wish they had I'd love to have that but I love the moment in that episode where uh, Batman actually brings the actor you know the great ghost yeah. actor to the Batcave and shows him everything and said you know this this is because of you you know you inspired me and the guy just has a moment where he's like you know, it, it wasn't all for nothing. It, 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 it meant something. And I love that moment. It's a great, great moment in the episode because I can imagine Adam West having a, a, a sort of reaction like that, that it wasn't all just a bunch of cheese, that, you know, it actually inspired people or what. Because I'm not a fan of that show, and I, I've given it a lot of crap over the years. But... You know, there's no denying that it had its good influences as well as the ton of bad influences that it had. So I vacillate back and forth. There are moments where I absolutely love the show and really want it on DVD and want to watch it again because of the great memories I had as a kid. And then a couple years ago when it was on TV Land, they showed the King Tut episode, and I'm like, good God. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, anything to see Julie Newmar in the Catwoman costume, I say. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. You want Linda Carter for Christmas. I want Julie Newmar. There. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> well, there's one other uh, thing I wanted to talk about real quick, just to throw a little bit more uh, classic Christmas in there. And strangely, all of these tales are all Batman-related um, Christmas tales. I, I don't. I don't know why that is. Maybe he. Maybe it's just because he's got the best. Christmas tales. I, I don't know, but uh, this one is going back to the February 1970 issue of Batman number 219. This is uh, the backup story. It was called The Silent Night of the Batman. Beautiful, beautiful art in this one by Neil Adams and Dick Giordano, written by Mike Friedrich. Um, I'm not sure who did the cover on this. I think this is a Neil Adams cover. It's kind of inconsequential because that that doesn't have anything to do with this backup. The backup is just a short little, short, sweet little Batman story, Christmas story, in which Batman is summoned by Commissioner Gordon via the bat signal. He arrives to find there's no emergency. Um, Commissioner Gordon just really wanted to uh, to call him in to uh, to celebrate Christmas with them. And they go into uh, police headquarters, and all the sergeants and all the officers are there, and they're trimming the tree, and they decide they're going to sing Christmas carols. They invite Batman to sing along with them. Now, I know you didn't think much of this, and that you don't like the the Christmas carol singing Batman. And I think okay. a lot of my my forgiveness of this and a lot of my enjoyment of this is because of the awesome, awesome art by Adams and Giordano. They carry so much of the story because a lot of this is almost like one of those uh, those silent stories, you know, where there's not a lot of dialogue. Yeah. And it just, there's several stories told while Batman is singing carols with the, the Gotham PD, a young boy steals a woman's Christmas package, runs into an alley, opens it up, and it's a Batman figure. And there's a great look on his face. And he repackages yeah. the gift, takes it back out, hands it back to the woman. There's another one where a guy comes, uh, he's running down the street with a, with a gun, slams into a figure that looks like Batman, and he's, you know, he's got the gun in his hand and he's trembling. The Batman turns around, and it's a blind man dressed up as Batman, but also sporting a Santa Claus beard. 
And it, he's wearing a sign that says, Support Wayne Foundation Christmas Drive for the Blind. And the man, you know, there's a great panel of him sweating and he's looking at the gun. And then we just see him drop the gun into a litter bin and walk away. Then there's a woman um, that's received a, a, a letter from her uh, from her husband, Ted, who's a, who's a G.I., and this this was the only part of, of this I've never quite understood. She goes out to a bridge with, holding the letter, and she's got a flower. And I don't know if this is supposed to make it look like she's going to commit suicide or exactly what's going on. But all of a sudden, a jeep drives up, and her husband gets out, and, and they embrace on the bridge and everything. And Batman you know, continues singing the Christmas carols and everything. And at the end of the story, he realized that the entire night passed... And there was never a single call for him that that basically the the spirit of Christmas had kept crime at bay and actually allowed him to enjoy a, a night off basically and enjoy a, a happy Christmas with you know his his pals in the Gotham PD I guess you would say great classic Adams uh, last panel where Batman is uh, is swinging on his bat rope and just swinging away across. Uh, Gotham City thinking about Christmas. It's a simple, short little story. It is bizarre to see Batman singing, but you know, because okay. this is a Christmas story, I- I'll forgive that. I really like this one. I think it's a good classic. I, I need know to you clear- don't. <laughs> I no, no, no. That's not true. I need to clear something up about because because you're not the first person to go. When I say I don't think Batman should sing. Everyone's like, well, what about that Justice League Unlimited episode? What about, you know, some, some other people have cited this story. What I'm talking about is when they proposed that Batman Broadway show. Oh, God. A couple years ago. Batman can sing within, like, like I love this story. The first time I read it was in that Christmas with the Superheroes. Yeah. Like, 80-page giant from 88, mm-hmm. uh, which had that awesome John Byrne cover. Yes. Uh, with all the characters and that 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 cover on the back with all of the boots as the stockings. <laughs> and I really like this story because you're right. There, It's a silent story basically uh, except for the Christmas carols and there's all this stuff going on. My overall point is is that you can do that and you can do that Justice League Unlimited episode where he sings for Cersei. I don't think the narrative tool to have Batman express himself should be singing. And in a musical, Batman would have to sit there and sing. And I'm sorry, you see a dude on the stage dressed as Batman singing, you'd be like, that's weird. <laughs> right. But here, it's perfectly acceptable. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, because you mentioned that before. I'm like, I don't think I explained that to him quite the way I wanted to. No, because I really like this story, too. I like it when Neil Adams draws Batman, period. Oh, yeah. So... Well, the, you know, I commented on the on that panel at the end because, you know, not not to get on a soapbox, but I miss the classic swinging Batman. I miss Batman when he would actually take out a batarang that had a rope attached to it, fling it, it would wrap around something, and he would swing about the city. As much as I think the little, you know, the little cable doohickey thing that he developed after the first Batman film is kind of cool, you know, especially on the animated series that had a, that really cool pneumatic sound to it when he would yeah. fire it at something. I like that, but it takes away a bit of Batman's skill in the ability to throw the rope himself and swing about the city rather than just be pulled on a on a cable. I, I kind of miss that, and th- that glass panel of him swinging over the city, that classic Adams, just, oh, I love it. Love it, love it. Just don't see much of that with Batman anymore. But uh, that particular story, in addition to where you mentioned in uh, Christmas with the Superheroes number one from 1988, was also reprinted in limited collector's edition um, C43 from 1976. That's the one that has Superman carrying Santa's sleigh, and it's got like Santa and Batman and Sandman and Sandman Sandy. and Sandy. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And also in the recent um, Batman Illustrated by Neil Adams Volume Two hardcover from uh, 2004. Really nice, uh, nice little story. Definitely worth taking a peek at. And that's pretty much all I got. What else you got, Michael? Um, I just wanted to wish everyone a very merry Christmas. 
Mm-hmm. And, and to uh, thank Scott for having me on the show again. You know, we, we do Tales of the JSA every week, but it's always good to talk about other comics. And I just like Christmas comics in general. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, 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 it, I don't like all of them. <laughs> there are definitely some clunkers. Like the uh, like that Teen Titans story, what is that called? Uh, oh, the Swinging Christmas Carol, yeah. which makes me cringe every time. Or how the Gronk stole Christmas, which was a Thor issue with the Eric <laughs> Masterson Thor. What the hell were they thinking with that story? I mean, wow! But for every one of those, you have that DC Comics Presents issue where Superman teams up with Santa Claus. Yep. I mean, I almost brought that one here, but I but I remember this one, and I and, and I and I really like the Frank Miller art in the Batman one that I talked about. So maybe what? next year. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun is to ride one horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun is to ride one horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow in a one horse open sleigh, or the fields we go. Bells on bucktails ring, make these very bright. What fun it is to laugh and sing a swing song tonight. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin lay an egg. Batmobile lost its wheel and you could got away. A day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride. And soon Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. The horse was leading leg. Misfortune seemed his lot. He got it through a twist and bank it. Oh, we man got caught. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun is to ride on a horse of its like Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun is to ride on a horse of its like Now the ground is white. Go it while you know. Take the girls tonight and sing this slave song. Just get a bobtail bay to 44 speed. Hitch him to an open sleigh and cry. You'll take the lead. Sing song tonight. <laughs>